and it's, uh, it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan uh, is on his way. Uh, uh, the, the story, first of all, a man from, was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, verse 30. And he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, then put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Uh, then Jesus asks, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Uh, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And I, I, I think it's very easy and one of the points I want to make here is that it's very easy if we're not careful we can get so absorbed by what we do that we lose sight of the main thing right. all right yeah. we can we can get so absorbed into doing kind of the operational day-to-day -day nuts and bolts you know issues that come up that if we're not careful we can drift off and not even be aware that we've drifted off. That's right. It becomes so subtle. I mean, you think about these two, these first two that came and approached. I mean, listen, the first one was a priest. Right. The second one was a Levite. I mean, these were people in full-time ministry. And they had completely lost sight of the main thing for which God had set them apart in the beginning. And I've watched it through the years in ministry. I've watched church leaders. I've watched the disconnect that can slip in and, and literally uh, consume them to where pretty soon they're so absorbed in the kind of the, the minutiae of just, you know, doing church, doing ministry, do, that they lose sight and they lose heart. Yeah. And, and look, if you do that, what ultimately happens, you become disconnected from the purpose of God. You're disconnected from what God intended in the beginning to do with your life. And I, I think for all of us, that is something we have to check ourselves constantly on. I mean, it make, it's, it's, it's very clear. These guys had gotten caught in the trap of religion. And that, that religion, it, first of all, it had insulated them where they weren't even feeling the same things that they used to feel. Wow. Here's a guy laying by the road. Uh, they're, they're, uh, they walk by and rather than having a heart for somebody who's broken, they get on and go to the other side of the road. I mean, come on. What in the world? And when the ministry gets to the point that it's so disconnected from the needs of humanity, guess what? It's no longer needful. All right? And so here they go to the other side of the road, totally, totally insulated, past feeling what others are going through. And I, I, want to, I want to challenge us as leaders that we always check ourselves in the area of our heart. Are we able to both sympathize with people 
and empathize. Sympathy is where you really feel what they feel. Do you remember when Jesus goes into a city and one of the first things it says, he was moved with compassion. Now, sympathy alone will not help people. All right? Sympathy feels what people feel, but it does nothing to change their circumstance. Empathy, on the other hand, feels what people feel and responds in a wise way to their need. And, and now, not every need that comes down the pike are you called to respond to, all right? There are some needs that will come down that you're called to pray about. I guarantee you, any need that you feel, you're called to pray about. But then when you begin to pray about it, out of that, now you ask God, God, give me wisdom. Here, these guys were completely insulated from the needs of others. A second thing that can happen is not only does, it in, does, does preoccupation with ministry insulate us, but it, preoccupation with ministry also will isolate you. It will cause you to think only about ministry and only about how you can further ministry. Uh, you know, I, I think there, that becomes a massive, massive danger for any of us. Because at the end of the day, Ministry is what the Lord does in and through our lives, and it becomes a, a byproduct of us faithfully following Jesus and faithfully carrying out what He's called us to. And so, I mean, He's the one that transforms lives. He's the one that brings help and rescue to people, and we're just the tools in His tool belt that He uses. But ministry, getting so absorbed in ministry, can become so dangerous that you can get not only will you get insulated from the needs of people, but you get isolated to where you think that really what you're doing is all that really matters. I was watching some things on Facebook the other night, and I was thinking, you know, and I look, I'm, I'm all about the move of the Holy Spirit. I'm all about, you know, experiencing the power and the presence of God. But how many of you know you can get so stuck in the moving of the Spirit that the moving of the Spirit is what you're all about. And I was watching some of this stuff and I was thinking, my word, this church is completely disconnected from where people are. They're living in their own world. They're living in their own world and they're just, you know, praying for one another. Nothing wrong with praying for one another. They're only ministering to one another. I mean, they're practicing getting slain in the Spirit and all the rest of the stuff. And, you know, look, I, I'm, I, I'm all about the move of God. But how many of you know this? You can, get in, you can get insulated from the needs of people and you can get isolated. And so you, you think you exist for yourself. We don't exist for ourselves. And the ultimate end of that is we become so stinking insensitive to what's going on all around us. And, and we lose sight of what God has called us to do and to carry out in, in ministry. And I really want us to be challenged and constantly challenged by that. You know, how, how in the world do you think a priest and a Levite got to that point? I mean, my goodness, what must have they gone through that brought them to the point that they had, I mean, they, they didn't even care anymore about people. And have you ever met those pastors? I have. I've met pastors where I'm thinking, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what planet you're on, but you're not on the planet where people's needs are getting addressed. And, and, and God has called us, listen, we as His hands and His feet 
and His mouth and His heart must operate. We are the bridge between heaven and the, the hurting, broken world. And that's the only reason why. Listen, the hope of the world, we've said it again and again, the hope of the world is a church, a church that experiences the power of God where people are moving and living with an awareness of God's heart. And we are His hands. We are His feet. We are His heart. We are His eyes, His ears. We are His mouth. And so God wants to use every single one of us. And so... If that's going to happen, then I think we have to continually check ourselves. We have to continually be saying, God, help me see myself in your mirror. Help me look at me objectively. Um, am I doing what you called me to? Am I carrying out what you, you called me to? And then I want us to just look at for a moment for that the, the Samaritan. Here was, not a, here was a guy that was not the typical responder to a Jewish man who had fallen among the robbers. These were not people that were in regular relationship or connection. And, and so, in other words, they just, he, the Samaritan almost typifies a person outside of the church, outside wow. uh, of the purposes that we would typically identify as God's heart. He's on the outside, and yet he has more compassion than those that were on the inside. Wow. Now, that, that, ought to, that ought to speak to us. A priest and a Levite walks by, moves to the other side, insulated, isolated, insensitive, and here is a guy that's not on the inside that takes and has mercy on him. I think one of the things that God would be saying to all of us in this is that here was a guy, all three of them were on a journey. All three of them had a, had a place they were going. They had an objective. They were moving somewhere. They had things to do, people to see. They had appointments, all right? But it was only the last guy that was willing to be inconvenienced enough to make a difference in somebody's lives. And I, I think when we, when we become carriers of the heart of God to the point that we, we truly will be God's hands and feet and we're willing to make a difference, the first thing that we, we will have awareness. We will, have, we will be possessed with eyes that see and ears that hear, a heart that feels. That's why Jesus was moved with compassion. The Bible says that he saw the, the people that they were wandering, that they were, they were aimless, that they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. God wants us to have eyes. And, and, and I, this is one of the reasons why I think missions trips are so important. Because... One of the things i found that can always shake up my status quo is when I get exposed to new environments. Yeah. You know, I, I've often said people going on short-term missions trips, we make some degree of difference. I promise you, uh, uh, Jordan Polozola uh, made a, an impact in that woman's life. Praise God. 
But can I be so bold as to offer this? The woman made a bigger impact in Jordan Polozola's life. Okay? Jordan Polozola will never be the same. Why? Because she was exposed to something. I guarantee you, now her worldview has been shifted and changed. She will see people different than she did before. She was why? She was taken out of one environment and thrust into another. And, you know, awareness is something that has to constantly be, be challenged. I, I, we've, we've got this new sign by the highway. And, and one of the things that I've said, I said it to Michael Bertelon the other day, I said, look, we've got to get new stuff up. We were talking about it this morning in staff. We're looking, I mean, in our earlier meeting, we are looking at some really creative ways to put up their new stuff. But why? You have to keep changing it. Why? Because people get dulled by the same thing. Have you walked by somebody again and again and again and yet never seen them? Have you, seen, have you been in the, in the proximity of something so often that you lose sight of it? All of us have. All of us have. We can get lulled into kind of a, 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 a level of insensitivity by just simply staying in the same um, environments all, all, all the time, never being exposed to anything different. So I think as a leader, we have to constantly challenge ourselves by breaking out of our own little worlds, okay? Purpose, be purposeful in this. I, I challenged all of our people and all of our leaders. I made it mandatory that all of my leaders in Virginia went on missions trips at least once a year. I made it mandatory. I mean, we were always, why? It wasn't because they were going, doing such great stuff internationally. I mean, there were good things happening, but it was challenging who they were. It was creating an understanding of their world looked different than they really thought it did. That there were needs all around. There were just as many needs in their neighborhood as there was in that nation that they went to. But they became insensitive to it. They, they, they weren't seeing it. So awareness is a, huge, a hugely important thing uh, when it comes to, to, to leadership. The second thing is availability. Availability. Not only did this, uh, this, this Samaritan see him, it says he took pity on him. He took pity on him. Man, I'll tell you what. I love the fact, you know, you can see something. I mean, here the priest and the Levite, they saw him. They saw him enough that they said, I don't want to do this. I'm out of here. But here a Samaritan, he saw him. And he took pity on him. Do we ever stop or slow down enough to let the hurts and the needs of what people are walking through sink into our heart? I love what Justin was saying about that couple that's now started coming to the church when you said, you know, I, I knew there was something deep going on in this guy. It reminded me of a story. I remember a man came to our church in Virginia. He had left another church. And my first reaction to him when I met him, I thought, boy, this is one mean-spirited religious man. That was my honest judgment. How many of you ever judged wrongly? I've judged wrongly a lot of times. That's why the Bible says, don't judge. <laughs> That's why it says, don't judge, because you think you know what's going on. And I saw this guy, he and his wife had left the church, 
he was critical. He was criticizing. I mean, he was slamming this previous pastor. And I'm thinking, and now you've come to my place. Well, hallelujah. <laughs> How long will it be before I'm the other guy? You know? And, and, and I, I watched him, and I'm judging this, thinking, oh, I don't want you here. You need to go to some other place. But I remember that night, I hugged him. And as I hugged him, I instantly had a picture. And it was, the, it was the weirdest thing I've ever had. I saw a, you know, a thorn like a rose bush has? It was this big, and it was stuck right through this guy's heart. When I hugged him, I thought, oh my goodness, this guy's got a huge thorn in his, stuck into his heart, and it was festered and infected. And I was thinking, no wonder this guy's spewing out all kinds of stuff. He has a thorn that needs to be pulled out. I was able to minister to him. In a moment, God showed me something, and I took pity on him. And out of that, my whole attitude for this guy changed. Everything changed. You know, when the Holy Spirit shows you God's heart for a hurting, broken person, your whole attitude about that person can change. Everything can change. And when it changes, now you can begin to be an individual that God can use. And I took pity on this guy. And I remember that night I just prayed for him and I pulled out of him in Jesus' name. I just said, I, I just had this picture. You have a huge thorn in your heart and in the name of Jesus, I just pull that out. And I began to pray over this man as he stood there and the man just broke down crying. Just broke down sobbing, crying. And I will tell you, God healed that man. It was beautiful. And that man was in the church, he and his wife, all the way through, even after we had left, he was still in the church. They have since gone to another church. But never was nothing but a blessing the entire time. That's I'm awesome. talking about Herman uh, and uh, Wanda, Herman Harsey. And it was Herman Harsey. And he became an enormous blessing in the life of the church. And just always a joy. And every time I would see him, hello, pastor, how are you? Hug me and it was so warm. <clears throat> And all it, all it took was a, a moment where I was able to, to see a need and take pity. I made myself available. The, the second thing, not only are, do, do you need to be aware of needs, but you need to be willing to make yourself available to meet the need. Listen, when God shows you something, when God reveals to you something, it's because God wants to do something about it. It's not just so they go, you know, a lot of people think, well, the, uh, people get excited about prophecy. You know, I've been in churches where, man, we shouted, praise God, we got a prophetic word from God, hallelujah. Yeah, God talks. But how many of you know God wants you to do something with what He says? Yeah. When God shows you something, it isn't just so that you can get excited that He showed you something. It's so that you can do something with what He's shown you. And so there's a, a, a point of wise application John Wimber says it's revelation, interpretation, and application. So we, we understand that God wants to take what He shows us and it be converted into action so that there can be a change in the need of, of the individual. And the third point, of course, is not only to be awareness and availability, but there does have to be action. There does have to be action. And oftentimes, that will require of us something. I, I, I will tell you this, 
that action will cost you something. It will cost you something. It will cost you time. Here this guy had to, he took, he went, went to him, he bandaged his, bandaged his wounds, he poured on oil and wine, he put the man on his own donkey and took him to the inn and took care of him. The next day, so he spent the night. The next day, he gives to the innkeeper any money and he says, and when I come back, if I owe you anything else, I'll take care of that too. So, his schedule had become subservient to the action that he felt God wanted him to give. Every one of us need to keep that in mind. That look, what we are doing is that we, if we're going to be instruments in the hands of God, that what we do, our objective for that day has to be submitted to the Lordship of Christ. Yes. That what God wants to do is more important than we want to do. Amen. And it was obvious the only one that that mattered to in this case was the, was the uh, a Samaritan. It didn't matter to the priest. It didn't matter to the Levite. Their thing was more important. What they wanted to do was more important. I don't have time for you. I certainly don't have the resources for you. I don't even have a heart for you. God help us if that becomes the way we live our lives. I, I think one of the keys, and I, I often talked about my mother-in-law, that my mother-in-law seems to always bring people to Christ, but I will tell you this about my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law always seems to have time for people. Look, if you don't have time for people, you're in the wrong business. Listen, if you don't have time to stop and care about hurts, and needs and people, you're doing the wrong thing. You need to find something else to do. I know that's not the case with you all, but it is hugely important that we take action, that we are responsive. Now, I want to make this point. There is a, dif a difference between being reactionary and responsive. Obedience is always connected to responding to the Word of the Lord. You need to know how much to do, and you know, need to know when to stop. All right? If, if you just are reacting always to the needs of people, then you're never free to obey God. Uh, we've just gotten in the middle of a, a, we started a situation and a discussion with a school, and uh, it's gone along great. But we knew what we needed to do, and we knew what we needed to do when we backed out of certain things. And everything we do in action, uh, in response, is we want, to be respond we want to be responding to the Holy Spirit. And uh, I, I just want to encourage you today with that. Don't allow, don't allow the, the things that could get, get you stuck you know, self-interest and self-centeredness and just kind of a, a, a feeling of being, you know, self-absorbed. And that was what was going on with these, the priest and the, and the Levite. Don't allow that to stop what God wants to do in and through your lives. One other thing I want to mention today is this, and I, I, this is a little aside, but it's all, although to some degree connected, Understanding, again, the importance of the seasons that are in your lives. Understanding, it's so important. 
uh, Nick uh, gave me a word a year and a half ago, and it, it was so appropriate. And you see this behind, I was looking at it again this morning and I was thinking about it. Um, shortly after I got to know Nick and started working, Nick comes and he gives me a word. He gives me a scripture and he gives me a, a word. He said, I felt like the Lord showed me something about you. And he said, I saw a cube and it had four sides and it was rotating. And on one side, and this is out directly out of a book, the book of Revelation, uh, the, as it revealed the Lord Jesus, there were four faces to the Lord. The first face was the face of a man. The second face was the face of an eagle. The third face was the face of an ox. And the fourth face was the face of a lion. And he said, I feel like God is said that these four seasons have been in your life. There was the season first when you were a building contractor and you were going to work every day and in that season it was the face of a man. You did the job of a man and you did, you worked and you did the things that were necessary in that season. And then that season changed and the next face that came up was that of an eagle. And it was in that season that God took you as a missionary, He took you to various nations and you know, preached in nearly 70 nations now and I mean all over the world and all kinds of things and it doesn't mean that those seasons stop but it means that there are additional seasons and it, that was a distinctive season in your life. And then it rotated and then the fourth, the third season was that of an ox and he said in that season was the season which you came back here and you came back to some very hard plowing and you had to to take and plow and dig, and it was a lot of hard work. And Stan, you certainly attest to that. It was, it was a, a tough season, and it was just laborious. It was just very much like getting the yoke and, you know, pull the plow, you know. And then there, he said, I saw it, and this was a year and a half ago. He said, I saw it rotating, and he said it was halfway in between. I believe it has made the full, the full switch now to the face, the, the fourth face, and that is the face of a lion. And I was thinking about that when I saw that, that picture again this morning that the staff gave me. The face of a lion, he says, and that is this. When a lion roars, a lion is roaring not for to, to just frighten animals. The lion is roaring because he's calling together the pride. The roar is for the other lions that will gather around. And he said, I, I feel like that the Lord is saying that your roar will gather other leaders and that will be in this, this season. I thought about that and how appropriate that is to my life. And I want to emphasize this one last thought. And, and I, I've, I've said this before, but I really believe it's worth it reiterating. What season are you in? What season are you in? You know, there's really kind of two teachings this morning. This first teaching on heart and the second teaching on season. What season are you in? And there, you know, there are natural seasons and there are spiritual seasons. And we need to be applying and looking at that in our lives. And I, I, I really want to encourage you because frustration is connected to doing the wrong thing in the wrong season. All right? That's where you get frustrated. You want to, get, you want to operate with peace and you want to operate with ease and you want to operate in a place where God can really speak to you and use you and do everything that we were talking about earlier through His heart. Make sure you're functioning in your right season. Father, I just thank you for every leader today this room and those that will hear this teaching. 
I, I just ask God that you will impact them and that there will be an amazing work of your grace in and through their lives, all for your glory. We thank you now for that and give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.